Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. Are you wondering what God's will is for your life? Many people do, but struggle with inactivity while they're waiting. In Daniel chapter 8, we see that rolling our sleeves up and being busy with the king's business is one of the ways we find out what God's will for our lives is. It's often in serving in some capacity that we can find out how God has wired us and how He also often shows us our giftings to others before He shows us. It's an honorable thing to serve God where you're needed while you're waiting to hear where you're to be called. To learn more, let's join Pastor Jim in part two of his message, Busy Waiting. Years later, in between Daniel and Jesus, Nehemiah had a job in the palace of the Persian Empire. And in chapter 8, we, the vision is, the first vision is, is that the Medes and the Persians are going to take over the Babylonian Empire in about a dozen years. Well, Nehemiah had a job in the palace, and so that's a nice job, right? And he heard about what was going on in Jerusalem how the land was still in desolation from the Babylonians, the horrible conditions that the people that were there were living under. And and he goes before the king, and he gets that news, and he goes before the king, and the king says to him, the Persian king says to him, hey, man, what's the deal, man? Why you look so sad? Because he had never been sad before the king before. In fact, if you appeared before the king sad, you could be killed. You weren't allowed to do that. You always had to make the, everything was going really well all the time, yeah, even, if, even if, you know, things were going horrible. In other words, you had to be like a prosperity preacher. Like, everything's going great. I knew a guy who worked in a store one time, and, and the owner was one of those prosperity guys. And so the owner would call in around midday. He was, like, never in the office. And he'd go, how's business today? And the, and the guy would go, nobody's walked in the shop yet today. And he goes, don't tell me that. Tell me there's a line outside the door. Tell me we need to hire more help. Tell me we're out of inventory. Tell me business is great, because if, I, if you say it, it will actually happen. Well, they went out of business in three months. But, but, but Nehemiah saw beyond himself. And in Nehemiah 2.3 says this, and, and the idea is, if you read the context, and I, and I said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies waste and its gates are burned with fire? You see, there he sat in his cushy job in the palace and he was devastated for other people. He was devastated for the glory of God. True godliness looks beyond itself. Let's fast forward 580 years from Daniel to the classic quote about Jesus, Matthew 9, 36. But when he had saw the multitudes or the crowds, he was moved with compassion for them. Now, these are religious people. These are religious people. Because they were weary and scattered. One version says they were worn out. I want to see if you're as honest as the last service. How many of you are worn out? 
Yeah. yeah. You're just worn out. And a lot of it is you're like, I don't know why I'm worn out. I don't know why I'm worn out. They were weary and scattered, worn out, like sheep having no shepherd. You see, Jesus' heart ached for a lost and hurting world. He didn't look out over the people and go, ah, oh, these people. Ah, oh, these people. No, his heart ached for worn out people. And, and we should have that heart too. You know, maybe, just maybe, if you got a few extra minutes this afternoon or this week or next weekend, why don't you take a ride up to the mall? Leave your wallet in the car. Don't go in to buy anything. And just look at the people. Those of you who are older will find yourself singing all the lonely people, where do they all come from? But you will see people that are so weary, that are so worn out. And Jesus wants to be their Lord and Savior. He wants, he wants followers of Jesus. He wants to be their shepherd. He wants to be your shepherd. People who are, who are weary, people who are who are scattered, people who worn out. He wants to be their shepherd too. You see, Daniel saw the world the way Jesus did. Nehemiah saw the world the way Jesus did. It didn't disgust Daniel. What did it do? It moved him. It moved him to the point of, 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 of being ill because Daniel had God's heart. He saw the pain and suffering in the world. He saw the eternal fate of people, and it made his heart sick. I mean, let's be honest. Isn't it easy for us to, to read our Bible, check the news, and be unmoved by the events of the world? Or you're flicking the channels on your TV and then you see the pictures of all the poor people and then you flick to, oh, the football game. You've already forgotten what you just saw. Isn't it easy for us to be unmoved by the eternal fate of people? I, I don't want to be mean. I don't want to be unloving. But I, I will confront you with something that God has confronted me on many times. That if you don't care that much or at all about the eternal fate of people, your faith is not near as strong as you think it is. Your faith is not near as deep as you think it is. You could say like Jesus was looking over that crowd and it was moved with compassion that Daniel was wrecked because of his care and compassion for people who were sheep without a shepherd. And sometimes I, I get the attitude sometimes from people like, well, they're kind of getting what they deserve. You know, these, these, these druggy people, these drinking people, these, 
these worldly people. Loved ones, read your Bible more carefully. That was Jesus' target audience. Those were the people he went after. Sinners. You know what I love about people who do drugs and alcohol, have gambling problems, you know, have all these kinds of things. You don't have to convince them they're sinners. The rest of the people are like, oh, I'm not a sinner. I go to church. I'm like, yeah, well, I go twice every Sunday. (laughs) Big whoop. (laughs) No, Jesus' target audience was sinners and wanderers. That's what Holy Spirit-led watchers of the world do. Now you say, well, not me, Pastor Jim. I, I, I just serve in the parking lot. I, I'm really not much of anything. Listen, if you serve in the parking lot, you know what you are? You're the first preacher that anyone coming into this church for the first time hears. And you say, I don't say nothing. I just direct them. I just direct them. Oh, they hear. They hear. They see they're a sourpuss or somebody joyfully serving the Lord. You say, me? 1 Corinthians one twenty six. the apostle Paul wrote this. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. One time I heard a youth pastor preaching on that. And he said, well, not many wise are called, but there are some wise people who are called. So me being the ever loving mentor of youth pastors, like God had called me to do all of so many years, I walked up and said, you know, when you said not many wise are called, but some wise people are called, I want to let you know you're not one of the wise people that were called. (laughs) You're one of the not many wise And the Apostle Paul, he knew, didn't consider himself to be one of the wise. See, but the Apostle Paul saw this because he was watching our world through God's eyes. Number two, busy waiting is working in the kingdom. Working in the kingdom. Look at the middle of the verse. Afterward, I arose and went about the king's business. Let's go a little slower. Afterward, so after the time of the physical sickness, I arose, he got up, and went about what? Doing my own thing? No, that's not what my version says. Your version say that? Maybe it does. Maybe it does. Or I got up and I decided to become a critic of the kingdom of God. A lot of critics, aren't there? There is a lot of critics about everything that's wrong. You know what the problem is? There's a lot of people with their shirts like mine right now. The sleeve goes down to their waist. Do you know what the kingdom of God needs? More people with their sleeves rolled up past their elbow. That's what the kingdom of God needs. And that's a lot of you guys. And so it says Daniel was about the king's business. So by the grace of God, Daniel feels better. He doesn't hit the snooze button. Gets up, gets rolling, gets out of bed. Didn't delay. Rolls up his sleeves and gets back to the king's business. In other words, he got back to what God called him to. 
It's interesting. Soul-searching question. Don't want anybody to live here feel guilty. Challenged, yes. Guilty, no. Is that something God has been talking to you about you about lately? That God wants you to get back to his business. That maybe the holiday is over. You're like, some holiday. Is it time to get back in the game? Or maybe to start being about the king's business. If you're in a community group, that's a lot about what we're studying about. That's why I want you, if you're not in a group, I want you to pick up a copy of this book. This, this, it's, it's nine traits of an outwardly focused Christian's. It's nine traits of someone who's actually living the life that God calls us to live. I'm not saying it's, it's an easy read. It's not, if you're used to reading deep theology, you're not going to be like, oh my gosh, it was so deep. It's simple. It's simple. And it's free. If you can't take something for free, it's 100 bucks for you, okay? Does that make you feel better? It's important to see, this is really important, that when Daniel saw the condition of the world, he became more concerned about the king's business, not less. It seems in Christianity, a lot of people are giving up. This is no time to give up. Exact opposite. How many times did we say when we were online, when we started gathering again, that this may be the biggest opportunity in our lifetime that many of us see? But a lot of people are just like, well, you know, it doesn't really matter. Not that big a deal. No, no, Daniel saw what was going on and he became more concerned with the, king, the king's business. Daniel didn't give up on the world despite what he could see was going to happen. And he wasn't unrealistic about it. He was realistic. Now, chapter eight opens by saying that Belshazzar was the king. We said uh, Wednesday night that he was the spoiled brat son of the real king, uh, Daniel's old boss. So what does that tell us about the conditions under which Daniel is serving under? They are not good. They are not good. I often feel like a lot of Christians, many, some might even say most, have fooled themselves into thinking that conditions, when they get better, they'll get involved. They're not going to get better. They're not. How many things have you in your life been waiting for to get better and they're just not getting better? And all of a sudden you're like, wow. Did you ever find something that you wanted to do that you wrote on a piece of paper that you lost for 20 years? <laughs> and you're like, still never did that yet. <laughs> now I know some of you are very spiritual. You say... I'm just waiting on the Lord. Now, if you're new here, nobody comes and says that to me. You're like, why? I'm about to tell you. Because <laughs> I'll say to them, are you waiting on the Lord or are you procrastinating? <laughs> are you waiting on the Lord or are you stalling? Other people go, well, I'm busy. And you go, oh, they're busy. They're busy. Nobody comes and says that to me. Not anymore. 
You say, why? I'm about to tell you. I always go, so Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Yes, I go, and you're too busy for him. Why is that? Why is that? Let's go through your schedule. Let's, let's see how much time in your life do you really waste. And I'm not just talking about church. Just allocate time for just certain things. Do you know what God would do in your life if you allocated five texts or phone calls a week just reaching out to people? That's not a lot of time. That is not a lot of time. You know, pick three people you know who are Christians. You can encourage. Pick two people you know who are not and just encourage them. You could, you could do a lot in that. Because I know there's a lot of people, you're taking care of sick people, or you are sick. Some of the sick people, they contact me and go, all we can do is pray for you. I'm like, what is this all we can do stuff? Without you, we don't keep going. Without you, I get up here in the announcements and go, eh, nobody joins small groups, we're financially bankrupt, and uh, well, the kids are sitting in with us because there's nobody in the kids' wing. No, no, you're keeping the fire burning. See, the driving passion of Daniel's life was the king's business. And that you take to the workplace with you every day. You take it to school with you. You take it at home, raising your family or whatever you're doing. So instead of isolation, Daniel's old, he could retire now. Instead of isolation... Instead of being a consumer of religious goods and services, like so many people are in the United States, Daniel chose involvement. Despite what is going on around us, despite what the future might hold, the Lord Jesus calls us, calls you, I want to make this personal, calls you and empowers you to live for him. Please hear me on this. I want, to make, I want to be as crystal clear as I can. Your work, your ministry, and you have one or multitudes matters. I want to say that again. If I could brand it onto your arm, I would. Your work your school, you're serving at home, you're serving at your job, whatever you do, you're serving the church, whatever you do, your work, which is your ministry, and you have one, it matters. We got to drop some of the ideas we have regarding church. Some of us grew up with the idea of the holy man on the stage. I'm doing all my best to just to get rid of that. Some of them wear long robes. Listen, some of them, I grew up in that thing. I was an altar boy. Some of them seemed like decent guys. And some of them were drunks. That little bit of wine they drank, the whole bottle was gone by the end of the morning. They're men. Spurgeon said, the best of men are men at best. We got to drop that holy man thing. We're going to drop in evangelicalism the celebrity pastor term. Those two words should never be heard or ever written in the same sentence. There is no such thing as a celebrity pastor. No such thing. A pastor is a servant of the people. That's what it's about. And the minute you think 
And I'll say this to any guy who's a pastor here. The minute you think that the people are supposed to serve you, you need to go find another job. Because we're certainly not going to pay you for that. There is no such thing as a celebrity pastor. I hear about these guys, they're untouchable. Untouchable. Was our savior untouchable? And he was a bit of a celebrity. You are not a second string player in God's plan. You are not. And don't let anybody ever make you think that or feel that way. You are not going to alter God's plans if you make a mistake. But you've got to get in the game. Again, I know I keep repeating myself, but I want to burn some of these concepts into your soul. You are not a second string player. You are not going to make a mistake. You're not going to alter God's plans if you make a mistake. And you've got to get in the game. We said a few months back earlier in this Daniel series, God knew you would live in this time and this place. He knew it. He knew that you and I and, and, the, and the true Christians of our area would be the people he would want to use to reach a lost and hurting generation. Now, you look around at each other and you think, this is a motley crew. I mean, this, you got to be kidding me. God's going to use us? Yes. Yes. Why? So everybody would go, well, it's got to be God because it certainly couldn't be them. <laughs> See, that's how God gets the glory and that's how the power of God moves. God knows that he could do whatever he wants through you. So the real question is, do you believe God? I didn't ask you if you believe in him. I asked you, do you believe him? Do you believe what he says? Do you believe that he calls the foolish things of the world to confound the wise? I've gotten a couple calls from South Jersey being on the radio down there of people who went to college with me. They're like, are you kidding me? <laughs> they heard me on the radio or they're, they're, most of them, it's their wives told them about me. And, they, and so they listened. They're like, are you kidding me? Or they heard from one, a couple heard and they told other people, like, this guy's a, he's a pastor now on the radio. Yeah, God takes the foolish things of the world. Hello. To confuse those who think that they're wise. The Apostle Paul said this, Colossians 3, 17, and whatever you do, that's not like whatever, whatever you do in word or deed, do all. Some versions say do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Everything you do matters. Job, home, school, wherever it matters. You know, I hear a lot of people these days very casually talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Ah, it all doesn't really matter. The rapture is going to happen any minute. 
ah, it all doesn't really matter. The Lord's going to come any minute. And then and the mail and the emails, like, they're just, it's just coming in in droves. They've got my home address. I don't know how they get it. From, from the church growth movement guys. And, and they're saying that we have, to, we have to figure out new strategies for engaging, parentheses, entertaining people. So they keep coming to church. You know, most of you know that I, I sat in the congregation for many years. Later life converts sat in the congregation for many years before I began preaching. I read those things and I go, they think we're stupid. They think we're stupid. I realize a large portion of the people in church want to be entertained. But, you know, that's not what being about the king's business is about. Thank you for spending the last half hour with Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to help you deepen your relationship with Christ no matter where you are in your journey. Teaming with Changed by Love financially makes it possible to reach thousands, many more than you and I could reach on our own. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Please consider a generous gift today. Give safely and securely online at changedbyloveradio.org. You'll find our address there, too, if you'd rather send a check. You can always reach us by phone at 862-217-9686. It takes a team to encourage thousands. You and Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney. changedbyloveradio.org.